in particular in this day and age, maternal health matters, women's health matters. And a lot of health plans are getting that more and more. Andrea Ippolito is the founder and CEO of Simply Fed, a company that provides virtual support for breastfeeding and baby feeding. After Andrea gave birth to her daughter, she quickly learned that there was a gap in providing qualified baby feeding advice. Andrea was inspired to close the gap and to help provide families with equitable access to feeding advice. Tune in to hear how Andrea turned her personal pain point into a business that has raised over $6 million and will continue to make a big impact in the years to come. Coming up, the process Andrea took to put together her fundraising deck, how Andrea was able to access and onboard major healthcare plans, the biggest mistake Andrea made when she began Simply Fed, and finally, you will hear why targeting the highest need group has been crucial to Simply Fed's success. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Andrea, we are so excited to have this conversation with you today, and I have to fill our listeners in on a little bit about our backgrounds and connection. We both went to Cornell, although I don't remember that we knew each other when we were actually in school together and reconnected many years later at this Cornell Women's Entrepreneurial event that we did I want to say it was literally like the day before the pandemic started in 2020, in March of 2020. <laughs> was that right? That's exactly right. It was when you like went to start shaking hands with someone and everyone was like, oh, we shouldn't do that. And it was still jokey, funny. And then it became very not funny, very, very Yes. <laughs> Yes. And from there, you know, you went on to start this business, Simply Fed, and we stayed in touch and helped in the early days of the business. And now Social Fly is involved, helping again with some of the marketing. And you have done such incredible things over the past few years. And I cannot wait to hear your full story now and have our listeners and entrepreneurs hear how you've done it because it's truly incredible. But let's go back to the very beginning. Andrea, did you always have an entrepreneurial spirit and know that you wanted to start a business one day? So I honestly didn't have an entrepreneurial spirit, but I, I tell folks that I'm the granddaughter of a gambler. So I, I do think that was in my blood a little bit, but I'm also the daughter of a quality engineer. And if, if you don't know a quality engineer, they're very careful about taking risks. So, but I decided to become a healthcare entrepreneur. So I think the infusion or osmosis and DNA of both of those folks caused me to become a healthcare entrepreneur because as a healthcare entrepreneur, you need to be able to take risks and put yourself out there, but you also need to be super careful. 
But my background is in engineering and I'm the daughter of two engineers. And I was always about pushing boundaries and thinking about how you could think of things differently or design systems differently. So that side of me was very entrepreneurial. But I wasn't one of those kids that was like hustling, you know, started my own like nail salon or or I think I had a lemonade stand once, but I was not one of those kids that was like putting myself out there with a t-shirt business or anything like that. Yeah, that was me, literally selling absolutely anything and everything that I could. Before you started Simply Fed, can you just walk us through a bit of your career journey? Yeah, so I started off as a biomedical engineer in a medical device company. So, you know, imagine someone in a lab coat, in a lab with a pipette. That was me. And I was pretty mediocre at it, to be honest. But I loved thinking about technology and how you design things to better humans and healthcare and making an impact. So I went to grad school at MIT and my research there was for the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff at the Pentagon and how we design telehealth systems for service members faced with post-traumatic stress. And then co-founded my first company called Smart Scheduling, which predicted scheduling algorithms for medical practices. And that eventually got acquired by a health IT company called Athena Health. And then I became a bureaucrat in the federal government. I, I was a presidential innovation fellow based out of the White House Office of Science and Tech Policy. And then I had the incredible privilege to be appointed to the Department of Veterans Affairs, where I led this large initiative uh, across the VA, which is the largest healthcare system in the country. Not a lot of people realize that. And that initiative was called the Innovators Network to help support VA employees developing new innovations for veterans. And so it was almost an entrepreneurship in a large healthcare government organization. But at the tail end of that was pregnant with my first daughter, traveling back and forth between D.C. and Boston and realized that was not very sustainable. So we moved to Ithaca, New York, where at the time I joined the faculty at Cornell and had my daughter. And that's really what caused me to start Simply Fed. What happened during your pregnancy that made you realize that you needed to start Simply Fed? So my daughter was born three weeks early, so not too, too early, but enough early that she was pretty underweight. And I had a heck of a time with breastfeeding. And by the way, no one told me what to expect. I also didn't ask. You know, I was so focused on popping this kid out. And in that experience, which is, you know, a lot, as many of our listeners know, but I, I really wasn't thinking about what happens next. And then the, the next thing, you know, they give you the kid and now this kid has to thrive and grow and you have to feed it. And so I was like, all right, well, here we go. Breastfeeding, let's start it. And I had tremendous difficulties with it. And my daughter continued to lose weight. She was down to four pounds. I'm a pretty type A person and I have never felt so broken and just uncomfortable and just didn't know what to do and lost. And I also felt bad at the time that I couldn't breastfeed. Now I know that I shouldn't have been so hard on myself. And we talk about this with families all the time. But I also learned that, you know, formula is a great healthy option, but I felt just very lost and I didn't really understand what to do next. And that's what caused me to really start Simply Fed. Because as an entrepreneur with my last company, I realized that you also have to follow the money to a certain extent. And I learned that under the Affordable Care Act, 
Health plans, both commercial and Medicaid, are required to cover breastfeeding support, but the vast majority of health plans weren't in compliance with that policy. So that's really what caused uh, the light bulb to, to really go off. Like, wait a second, this is a huge issue that I uh, was a, just a tremendous pain point for me. A lot of families feel the same way I felt. And health plans are supposed to cover this and most weren't. So there's got to be a a new way that we can approach this to really make it easier for families to get the care and support they deserve no matter how they feed their baby. Can you tell everyone what is Simply Fed today? So Simply Fed is a baby feeding platform. And we work with families starting during pregnancy And we get them services prenatally at first to educate them and do a lot of listening surrounding baby feeding. And then after baby's born, we continue working with them via telehealth to help support them on their baby feeding journey. We have a national network of providers that work with families. And the good news is this is fully covered by health plans at no cost to families. And no matter how you feed your baby, whether that's breastfeeding, pumping, formula feeding, we work with you to help reach your goals. In the early days after baby's born, often that surrounding latching, positioning, if you're concerned about supply, any pain that you're experiencing, we get you size for your breast pump if that's something that you'd like to do and we support you in that. And then we also work through formula feeding and how you select one that is good for you and your baby if that's one of your goals and options. Transitions back to work, all that type of fun stuff. So we're a baby feeding platform and work with families at no cost to you covered by your health plan. That is incredible. And I'm not a mom, so I don't know anything about this. So I'm excited that I get the opportunity to learn for when that day comes for me. But I'd love to understand you had this idea, and then I now understand what Simply Fed is today. But walk us through the idea to where you are today and what were those challenges? Well, thanks so much for asking this because sometimes when you hear founders talk about their journey, it it sounds like, oh, I had this idea and then bing, bang, boom, I raised $6 million and here we have this national network of providers. But it takes so much time and I don't come from generational wealth. So I wasn't able to, you know, just quit my job and, and work on this. And so I think that's another important part of the story. So For me, what that journey looked like is I had my daughter, her name is May, and saw this pain point, and it was something that was keeping me up at night. I know that sounds super cliche, but it's true. Like, it was, and I would talk to everyone about it until, you know, someone starts actually putting pressure on me, like, hey, like, if this is something that's all-consuming, you should really think about this. So for me, what that looked like, I was teaching full-time. And so what that looked like is I started working on it and meeting about it and talking with people and starting putting pen to paper, putting together a pitch deck. And the pitch deck is super gross at first. So for those that are on this journey, you know, don't be too hard on yourself. Don't let good be the enemy of perfect. And so just started putting pen to paper and you find very small wins, right? You talk to people and the key is talk to the people you plan on serving, doing customer discovery. So I talked to a lot of parents. I talked to a lot of folks in the ecosystem, health plans, health providers, to really figure out what I didn't know, but also learn the pain point. 
And then what you do is you start developing a small draft or a first draft of whatever that is. So for us, we're a telehealth company. So I went and did some research. Okay, we got to find a platform to do telehealth. And there was this platform out there called Simple Practice. It was super easy to use. All right, I got my telehealth platform. And then I started talking with folks to share this. And we, uh, I found two providers that believed in this mission and, and got it. And so I got them on board. And then we started doing appointments with folks here and there, offering free 15, 30-minute appointments. And then you learn a lot through that process. So the key is just start small. It's going to be gnarly, gross. You're not going to be proud of it. I believe Reed Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn, says, if you're not embarrassed by your product, then you're too late. So you really have to take that mantra into whatever you're doing. And then you gradually, through a lot of hardship and failure and just tears, you get some small wins. And then that was the signal to me, okay, I need to pursue this full time. So for me, I couldn't just quit cold turkey. I hate when people say that. Those that are, you're only dedicated if you're doing it full time. It's just really hard for most people to do that. So I was teaching a lot and then eventually started working on this. And I was still actually taught a couple classes part time just to keep money coming in the door. Yeah, I had a family at that point. And so that's what it looked like to me. Looking back at those first few years in business, or even now, what was the biggest mistake that you made? The biggest mistake that we made, and by the way, you always learn from your mistakes, always. So it's a gift, a very painful gift sometime. But I would say the biggest mistake that we made is, is not listening to customers and ecosystem stakeholders and trying to go too broad too quickly. Uh, the key is to start with the folks that feel the pain the most, those that have the biggest need, because frankly, they're willing to overlook some of the flaws in what you're doing because they have this need. And 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 Andrew Chen talks a lot about this in the book, The Cold Start Problem, is really focus on those people that have the biggest need. I think I was trying to serve too many people too quickly, and that just takes longer. Whereas what you need to do is stay super focused on who has the biggest need, figure out who that those folks are, and then develop your initial draft for them and find a sustainable business model. And then you can iterate and grow and scale. But that is such a fun but hard lesson to learn as an entrepreneur, especially if you are using other people's dollars and investors. And thankfully, I learned that before I took on large institutional investors. But I wish I had learned that even sooner. How did you end up learning that or realizing that? What was that turning point? So the turning point is that you start to see uptick, right? And you start to see people reaching out and and hungry for what you're doing. Whereas when you're trying to serve everyone, it's it's a nice to have. Whereas once you see people recommending it to friends or you see people that are proactively reaching out to you, it's a must have need for them at that point. And that's really critical. Who were those people for you that were reaching out that wanted these services? So for us at first, we were seeing that families that were Medicaid beneficiaries were just dramatically underserved. And it was incredibly frustrating to hear that 
they had tried to get access to services, needed access to services, but couldn't get them. And it was in particular very frustrating because health plans are required, both commercial and Medicaid plans, to cover these services. And not a lot of people realized that that was true. And so we would advocate on behalf of these families. And that was one of the, the reasons that we went after Medicaid contracts first, because they were not serving their beneficiaries. And we saw that with our initial customers. Talk to me about the process of going after healthcare companies and just the industry in general for founders that are in the healthcare space and looking to break into these larger companies that I know have probably take a long time and have a lot of red tape. Like, how do you get in there? How did you do it? So we, and just for background, Simply Fed has national commercial contracts like Aetna. So if you are on Aetna and are pregnant or postpartum, you can get access to services for free from Simply Fed. So come check out our website. We have contracts with Medicaid beneficiaries and we serve all military families via TRICARE. So there's two schools of thought with tackling health plans and health care more broadly. One is go directly to your consumers and have them pay out of pocket. And that has been very successful for many companies. And going back to what I was saying, that starting with folks that have a big need, for some companies, they find that people that can pay out of pocket, they have that hair and fire need, are willing to pay out of pocket. For us, because of what we learned during our pre-seed round that we saw the largest need from folks that were underserved, it was super important that we continue to help support them and democratize access to the support. So how we went about this is you have to figure out the what's in it for me for health plans. And in general, for health plans, you can boil it down to two main things. One is there's regulatory pressure. There's some type of law, mandate, something out there that says this is a required service. And in particular, if they're not in compliance with that, then that is usually a huge motivation for health plans. So that's what bucket we fell into in particular. Most health plans were not compliance. The second big way you get health plans is if, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, you can save costs, which is usually because you improve health outcomes. So if you can show that you re- reduce their costs, those are, that's a, a, a huge thing. So depending on what bucket you're in, that's how you approach the health plans. You have to figure out who your target is there. For us, it's usually the director of network development or the director of maternal health or some title similar to either of those. And then we approach them, share what we're doing with Simply Fed. But it's a long road. It's anywhere from six months to two years. We've been able to close contracts in as quickly as six months, probably because of that regulatory requirement. But often it can take up to two years, and some of our contracts have taken that long. But it's a strategic decision you need to make as a healthcare entrepreneur. But it was really important for us to democratize access to these services. And so that's why we went that route. When you figured out who at the healthcare company was the right person to reach out to, how did you find them? Did you use LinkedIn, figure out their email, look for introductions? Like, how did you initially get in the door? So as an entrepreneur, you are always hustling. And 
at this point, I luckily also had someone to hustle with me and she was our third employee. Her name is Jen and she led up our payer strategy and the execution of it. And so the two of us together would work to reach out to these different stakeholders. And by the way, this is where the customer discovery comes into because before you actually sell to the health plans, you got to do that customer discovery and those conversations to figure out who is the economic buyer, who is your key stakeholder at these health plans. And so take health plans out of it. That principle applies to all B2B healthcare, but also B2C too. And so for us, it was working our networks, but then being very clear about what we offer to health plans. And that was the fact that this is helping to support families. You're required to do so. But in particular in this day and age, maternal health matters. Women's health matters. And a lot of health plans are getting that more and more, not as quickly as they should. And that was a key part of it as well. Up next, the mindset shift that Andrea needed to make when fundraising. Andrea, you mentioned that you started a company before you started Simply Fed. Did you raise money for that company? So for my first company, I was a co-founder. There was four co-founders and our CEO raised the money and I did it. So even though this is the second company that I've co-founded, I was totally new to the fundraising game. And holy moly, was it a learning curve. And so I very much leaned on near peers or people one step ahead of me to guide me through the fundraising process. Share some of your learning lessons of what you know now about the fundraising process, having successfully done it versus what you didn't know when you first started. So fundraising is a journey, and I know that sounds like what a lot of people say, but the first thing I have to share with folks is if you are fundraising, do not be so hard on yourself and always hold true to who you are. And don't try to be someone that you're not. I think when I first started fundraising, I felt like I have to do what the guys do and be someone I'm not. And that, like once I got that out of my head, then like, it just, it just went better. And, and you just have to think about it as they're investing in you. You're giving them an opportunity to invest. And, you know, I would go into these conversations just terrified, like, oh, I'm asking people for money. And then my partner, like, he sat me down. He's like, no, Andrea, you're giving them an opportunity to invest. And you are a star, right? And like anyone would be lucky to invest in you. And that was a huge mind shift for me. And so for anyone that's fundraising, it's hard, it's grueling, it's a slog, but you got this and you're giving them an opportunity to invest. So the next thing I'll say about fundraising, you have to have a plan. So you have to do your research before you start fundraising. And this depends on what round you're at, but no matter what round, figure out who's investing in an area that your sector's in. Or depending again, what stage figure out who's recently raised capital because they need to deploy that capital. That's so important. And so have your list and then start reaching out to folks. And, you know, one of the things that Steph and I have talked about in the past is a lot of people give you advice, have a deadline and, you know, use that deadline and FOMO. And I'd say, awesome, if you can make that happen. That was not my experience with either of the rounds of funding I've done. But if you can use that, awesome. 
For me, for our seed round, we raised $6 million. We have six amazing members of our syndicate that are tied to our mission. But I had to speak to 140 unique venture capital firms. I entered due diligence with 40. And the reason I know this is because I use Docsend, and that's like a hack that a near peer told me, where you can track who you've sent your deal room or data room. And what that is, it's all the things that investors ask for to understand your company. So I entered due diligence with about 40 unique venture capital firms and six entered the syndicate. So if you think about that from a process standpoint, to get from 140, that's initial conversations, to that smaller amount that I did due diligence with, those took sometimes two, three conversations. And then it's several conversations, partner pitches, lots of extra due diligence meetings to get to the ones that decide to invest. So just know that it's a process and it's all about volume, but it has to be strategic volume that are aligned to your sector, your area. And it's okay if you hear no a lot, you're striving for a fast no. The first thing is, is getting people to invest, but the second best thing is a fast no. And so get people to that fast no so that you can be most efficient and effective. How would you get to the fast no? Were you asking the investor at the end of the conversation, like right away, what their interest level was? So a couple things. So you can follow up via email. Some people do the deadline, right? That's when I was able able to like, that wasn't my style of how to do it. And again, just figure out your style, what works for you. Don't be someone you're not. But secondly, what I find is that more and more investors are getting this. And so just ask them, honestly, and where is this at in the process? How are you feeling? What is the timeline for your process? That's a very important question that you should ask investors. What is your process? What does that look like? And I think you can be very upfront with them. And and how are you feeling about this? Wanted to get a sense for as part of our process. And, And more and more investors are willing to tell you that very quickly. And so, you know, this is, you're trying to convince them, but they're also trying to get in on great deals and you're a great deal. So don't be short on yourself, but I think that's a really important part of the process to get to know quickly. And then I found that a lot of my best introductions came from investors that said no to me. So don't be offended, but then approach them and say, thanks so much. I really appreciate that. I've appreciate that feedback, would love to get your advice on who would be a good fit. And then usually they're willing to make introductions and, and that worked very well for us. So a lot of the investors who did end up coming in were introductions for investors that passed. Correct. Yeah. One of our lead investors was from someone that was like, we're not a good fit at this time, but you should meet with the Venture Collective. And that is one of our lead investors and and our lead investor that wrote our term sheet. And for those that haven't heard of the term sheet, that's once you get through this process and they decide they're going to invest or they're interested in investing, they they give you a document called a term sheet. I never knew what any of these words mean. That's why I like to explain And that first lead investor gave us our term sheet, which I will forever be grateful for. And it outlined the deals, the deals of the term that you can then have a conversation about. That is really, really great advice. I want to know, now that you've raised $6 million, what investments have you made and and how have you deployed the capital? 
So there's a few buckets of how we've deployed the capital. So one is team. So we have just an incredible team. We have an incredible operations team led by our CEO, Aaron Hunt. I mentioned Jen, who leads our pair. We have an amazing account manager that works with our health plans. Our ops team consists of our clinical ops folks. And then we have allies, which are peer mom navigators that are true, like the true secret sauce are not so secret, but but they are like the heart of Simply Fed. They work with families to help navigate. They enroll folks, but they're also a peer mom and friend that checks in with them to make sure that they have what they need. And so people is one on our operation side, our payer side, our marketing side. That's really important. And we're a healthcare company, right? And we have to be in compliance. So one of the annoying things, but also very important things, you learn to love your lawyers and all those sorts of folks. So a huge bucket of what we pay for is people, but also making sure our ops infrastructure for the services that we deliver. Designers, that's really important to deliver a great care experience. And then marketing and marketing budget. Those are the the big things. And when you're a preceded company or seed company in our case, it's really important that you outline those costs and have a good sense of what those are. So this is where near peer mentors, someone that one step ahead of you comes in because they can give you honest numbers of how much things cost because there are some hidden sleeping dragons that end up costing a lot more than you could ever imagine. And then you need to figure out where you can be extremely scrappy in the process as well. How did you find your near peers? So one is through, you know, networks like the Entreprenista Network. You know, second through is through personal networks. And I think it's really important to have these near peers because then you can get on the phone, whether you're driving, taking a walk, and just talk. And they will give you those quick tactics, like the Doxen I mentioned. It sounds so small, but holy moly, that's a time saver. But the near peers can were extremely important during the fundraising process because they've worked that spreadsheet that that I shared earlier of that list. And they can you can share lists. And I think that's so important that we as a community of entrepreneurs, especially women entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs, be those resources to each other. 2.2% of venture capital funding goes to solo family founders. That's everyone's heard that at Nauseam. And there's a reason for that, right? Is because we've been left out of networks where people are sharing information and making introductions. So in order for us to tackle large, complex problems, especially those that are impacting women, women are more likely to innovate for other women, then we need to help ourselves help each other with fundraising. And, and so those near peer mentors helped make the introductions with fundraising helped make introductions to things like insurance companies, very not sexy things, but you need as an entrepreneur. And so you just got to work those networks. Yes, yes, and yes. And it's one of the reasons within our Entrepreneurially community, we launched a Raising Capital Power Group that's led by right now Lauren Kane, who is an expert fundraiser helping women raise capital so everyone can meet together and connect, collaborate, share networks, share what's working, what's not working, make introductions, because that is how more of us will be able to raise capital and raise capital faster so we can focus on executing the business and, instead of spending Think how much time do you think you spent raising that round? Talking to 140 investors, multiple conversations. Yeah, months, days. You know, one of our investors said that you know, as an entrepreneur, 
there's like two ways you can approach it. You're either fundraising or operating mode. And one of my investors said recently is like, I don't know if that's true anymore. I feel like founders and CEOs are like always fundraising these days and different schools of thought, but it's, it's a huge amount of time. Totally. And I will do another call out to what you were sharing with Dachshund before. I'm personally obsessed with Dachshund, our business. We use it all of the time, not just for fundraising, but also just for sending out proposals. So you can see who's viewing your proposals for business development. And we now have a special partnership with Dachshund where we can get founders in our community. I think it's up to 90% off their plans. Because it's not full price. It costs a lot of money. But uh, with our entrepreneurista code, you get a better price. So uh, we'll link out to that in the show notes below if anyone's interested in checking out Dachshund. We've had the pleasure of working with your team at Socialfly and helping you with some of your influencer campaigns and launching your social media. I want to talk more about some of the marketing strategies that have worked really well for you to reach your target market. So as an entrepreneur and early stage company, you're constantly running experiments. And I think it's very important that you're incredibly vigilant and disciplined about your experiments. So for us, we have both B2B marketing tactics and B2C. So on the B2B side, we work with healthcare systems such as OB-GYNs, pediatricians, labor and delivery And they refer to us. So a lot of parents find out about us via those relationships. Those take a while to build, though. But that's really important to to be embedded within healthcare. On the B2C side, we do stuff like you mentioned with influencers and folks that people trust on and other parents. We recently launched a new community for folks that we've been able to serve. And then they're able to communicate with themselves. And we have our providers in there. And that helps us continue to build relationships and trust to get referrals. Um, We do paid search and paid social, and we're constantly testing across all these different uh, programs and channels to see what's most effective and efficient. And one of the things that we found that's so important is that if we can start working with folks during pregnancy, and a lot of people don't realize that this is a resource that you have. And what we know from the data and also just anecdotally is that when a woman doesn't reach her baby feeding expectations, whatever those might be, she's much more likely to be diagnosed with postpartum depression. And one of the ways that you combat that and prevent that is by starting to get support during pregnancy and our providers being part of your prenatal care team. So when it comes to marketing, we do a lot of work to educate folks, but also for folks to tell their friends that this is so important that you get care starting during pregnancy and do a prenatal education appointment. So Our providers work with you. They do a lot of listening to understand your goals. What are your goals for baby feeding? When do you plan on transitioning back to work if you work outside the home? And then they design a plan that works for you. And this appointment is covered by your health plan at no cost to you. It's like this gift. It's, oh, you know, it's, as the kids say these days, chef's kiss. Like, it's beautiful. Like, you get that support during pregnancy. And so a lot of the work that we do is is around educating folks during pregnancy about this research that's covered by their health plan at no cost to them, and then working with key partners to help refer to us in that key moment. So walk me through this as 
let's say I'm an expecting parent right now and I'm interested in working with Simply Fed. I go to your site, I sign up. Do I get a, you know, free consultation? Like, how does that process work? How often am I meeting with you? What can I expect as a expecting parent? So how you get started with Simply Fed, there's a couple different pathways. So one, go to our website, simplyfed.com, and it will want to autocorrect to simplified, but resist that urge, simplyfed.com. And then we have a great green button there that says, start getting care. And then you fill out that super duper short form. And then one of our peer mom allies reaches out to you via text, if that's what you consent to, or email or phone, whichever your preference. And then they work to to get you scheduled, but also check your health plan eligibility. So what I tell folks is come to our website, fill out that initial form, and then we'll work with you to get that, uh, that covered by your health plan. And that's really important step as part of the process because a lot of people don't realize that they have this amazing benefit. You know, we're live with Aetna Commercial. So if you know a friend that is at a company or organization that has Aetna as their health plan, make sure you share this with them because a lot of people don't realize they have access to this amazing resource. Another thing you can do is text us. So, you know, text CONNECT to 888-458-1364. And you can find that number on our Instagram or on our website. But that's another even easier way to get connected to us. And then we'll start you with the process. And it's real humans that are greeting you along the way because we know that your time is incredibly valuable when you're pregnant and postpartum and you got a lot of stuff going on and you're often holding a baby with one hand and and texting in the other. And so that Pure Mom Alley greets you and walks you through and navigates through the process. And then we get you set up for an appointment at a convenient time for you, seven days a week. We have incredible flexibility with hours, very different than a brick and mortar facility. And then we work with you And all of our health plan contracts cover at least six appointments. So our support is ongoing as often as you need it. And some of our health plan contracts offer unlimited support. And so come check out what and find out what you're eligible for because it's an incredible resource for you to help you navigate this incredibly stressful time. Coming up, Andrea's tip to how to track your fundraising progress. All right, Andrea, you listen to this podcast, so you know what we're about to do right now. We're going to ask you a few rapid fire questions. So the first word or words that come to your mind, are you ready? Ready. All right. How would your friends describe you in three words? Energetic, ambitious, and goofy. (laughs) Coffee or tea? Oh, coffee. Holy moly coffee. Yeah. Do you have a favorite app on your phone that you cannot live without? I am addicted to TikTok. Like I'll I'll share it. Like when I'm tucking my kids in at night, it's my like little treat to myself. But whew, TikTok. What's your favorite business tool that helped grow your business? Favorite business tool that helped grow the business. So not to keep shouting out Docsend, but like talk about product love. And, and I'm not, I didn't know that there was that Entrepreneista discount. Like it really was such a time saver and helped me understand who was looking at my pitch deck and, and also helping me track metrics. 
Love Doxa. And we'll say it in every episode. It's uh, screaming for the rooftops. It is the best. All right. Final rapid fire question. Do you have a hidden talent? I am like not cool at all. Like I have no hidden talents besides like I am weirdly good on a mic. Like I can emcee events like nobody's business. So if you need someone to emcee any event, I've done it. When I worked as a presidential innovation fellow, the White House would have me come do things. And But I'm an awkward engineer, so no one really believes me when I say that. <laughs> <laughs> that is a really good hidden talent. And I'm glad you put it out there on this podcast. You might get some uh, some gigs from this, Andrea. <laughs> yeah, we might need you at the Entrepista 100 event that we're doing. I know, oh, I so know. Fun. I love it. All right, back to our, our regular questions. I want to have a better understanding of what your day looks like right now. You are running a funded business. You have two little ones. We just learned you're expecting another little one. How are you managing your day? How do you do it all? So very much failing forward is what I say. And, you know, it looks all like when you see the Fortune article or Forbes article, whatever, like you see like this amazing, beautiful like story but it is chaos in the background. So I'll be honest, it is tough. It is tough. So I wake up at 5 a.m., do work for a little bit, and then pray that neither of my kids wake up. That usually doesn't work. So Daniel Tiger usually goes on while I finish up emails and work from the prior day and run upstairs, blow dry my hair, and then rush to make them lunch throw them in the car, drop them off at daycare, come back, pray that I'm not late for a meeting already. And then, you know, it's back to back with with the company and you're you're hustling. You're always and you're answering emails and Slack and and, and playing offense, as I, I like to say. But then there's always defense that as a founder, there's always a new uh, a new trouble that you have to overcome. And, and that's part of the game. And you just have to to roll with it and not let it get you down. And then depending how it goes, either my partner picks up the kids or or I do, and then try to make dinner, but that looks has a variety of forms, tuck the kids in bed, do my little TikTok treat, and then back to work. And so it's a hustle and it's all encompassing as a founder when you're a parent. I'd love to be able to say I put away my phone, but that's just not the reality. And I and you have to figure out what works for you and what's good for your sanity. Definitely no such thing as work-life work balance, but you have to figure out how you get in those moments of, 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 of joy with your family. That's what makes you happy. And if not, then we have other things to talk about. Um, and you should get that taken care of too. But you have to figure out how to have those moments of joy along the way with your family to carve that out because being a founder is all-encompassing. You mentioned that TikTok is a treat for yourself, but what else do you do to indulge or what other forms of self-care do you employ? So the cool thing is, is that I I know a lot of people say, I really love what I'm doing. Like, this is my dream. Like, this is, I feel like I've worked my whole life, like learned a lot of things along the way. So my idea of fun is hanging out with my kids, my family, and my friends, but then getting to work on Simply Fed and it's just something that is all encompassing. But I love Netflix like the rest of them. I would, I used to run, that doesn't happen anymore. But really like being an entrepreneur, I hate to say it, I really love Simply Fed, but got to get sleep, got to take those moments on the TikTok, 
Got to take those moments, you know, watching Netflix. And I live in a pretty rural but beautiful area that has waterfalls and gorges, at least during the summer. And so you have to find those moments to step away. And that's what kind of keeps me going. I'm laughing at the TikTok because I, I thought you were going to say, nope, just TikTok, just uh, <laughs> only thing that finds me joy. But I do want to just dig into TikTok a little bit more. What videos are you watching on there? Like, what are you addicted to? What are we missing out on if we're not getting our few minutes of joy at night on TikTok? So, I mean, the content they show me is a lot of parent content and just listening to stories of other parents. I love a good feel-good sports story too, like the little league kid that displayed great sportsmanship. Like I'm a sucker for that stuff. Love learning my fun facts about what's happening in the world with regard to women's health, right? The last year has been devastating for women's health and maternal health. Maternal mortality continues to be terrible. We live in the most dangerous nation of first world countries. To It's the most dangerous place to deliver a baby. Obviously, the overturn of Roe v. Wade, was a shift with women's health in this country, better for worse, depending on what side you're on. And the baby formula shortage was just a huge example of how we've let families down. And so we want people to have kids and that's good for the American economy, but yet we're not supporting American families. And food is the most fundamental way we support American families. And we're not getting them access to baby feeding support covered by their health plans and then the baby formula shortage. So a lot of those topics come back on my TikTok watching. <laughs> Are you using TikTok for Simply Fed, creating content? We are. Definitely check us out. Search for Simply Fed on TikTok. We have a lot of super fun content on there that we've kickstarted. So definitely check us out. Well, we will link out to all of that in the show notes as well. Andrea, do you have a mantra or quote that you live your life by? Yeah. So I'm pretty inspired by a quote, Marin Wright Edelman, you can't be what you can't see. And so for me, my mom was an engineer and I have, like I mentioned, those near peer mentors. And so I became an engineer because my mom was an engineer. I became an entrepreneur because I was super lucky to get exposed to entrepreneurs through a variety of settings. And so one of the things that I like to do, and I still am involved with various women's entrepreneurship activities is make sure that we're creating better pathways for those that come after us. And I wish I could do even more, but we're not in a good place with in terms of we need more women founders out there tackling hard problems. And the only way we do this is build networks and help make it a little bit easier for those that come after us. And so that's super important and inspires me every day. I love that. Thank you for sharing that, Andrea. And I am just so inspired by all that you're doing and are going to continue to do. And thank you, thank you, thank you for the work that you're doing, the help that you're giving to all of these women. It is so needed. It is incredible. And I feel like we could talk to you for hours. I have so many more questions for you, but uh, we have to have our, you have to get back to your busy schedule. We have to get our listeners, get back to building their business. My final question for you just for today, because I think we'll do a follow-up. Maybe we'll do an event in the Entrepreneurs League to, to share more with everyone. What does being an entrepreneurista mean to you, Andrea? Being an entrepreneurista means to me is finding a problem or identifying or coming across, stumbling a problem that is all-consuming, that you're super passionate about. You have a little bit of expertise in, maybe not a lot, but some, but that is going to help someone out there. 
And maybe it's not the biggest problem, but it's going to help a certain number of folks out there. And then taking and pushing that forward and executing. I think we talk a lot about ideas, but an entrepreneur is someone that finds that idea that they're passionate about and brings it forward to make an impact for folks out there. And you are doing it. Andrea, where can everyone find you and follow you? And again, direct everyone to your site where they can get started and learn more. So you can check out our website, simplyfed.com. Uh, and check us out on social at Simply Fed Baby on Instagram. Uh, and also check us out on LinkedIn too. And TikTok, right? Definitely on TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> Always. Thank you again, Andrea, for being here. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Courtney. And this is the best business meeting we've ever had. Hey, thanks for listening and leaving us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. And we'd love to stay in touch with each of you. You can listen to all of our latest episodes at entreprenista.com and connect with us on Instagram at entreprenistas. We'd also love to invite you to join the Entreprenista League, our private membership community for trailblazing women. You can head over to entreprenista.com forward slash the league. We'll see you there. Wishing you a productive week ahead. Mm-hmm.